Welcome to the Business Addicts Podcast, where the stakes are high, talk is cheap, and results are on the other side of commitment. Hosted by a former addict, myself. And I'm his wife, Jamie. We uncover addicts' mindsets, showing that the talents you've created in your struggle will be the superpowers you leverage to heal your deepest wounds. Listen to former addicts share stories of how they've flipped the switch, including insights into how much we can believe in ourselves. For those of you affected by addiction, we support your desire to help the addict in your life by raising the stakes and creating emotional barriers. Welcome back to the Business Addicts Podcast. I am so excited to do this episode. I've been looking forward to it ever since Mark said he would do this. I have the pleasure today to introduce you to my coach, who is Mark King. He's based out of the Milwaukee area, does work in Milwaukee and Chicago and across Wisconsin. Mark, I've been working with Mark since, well, in our family, between Jamie and I, we've been working with Mark since 2017. And Mark is, well, I don't know how to say enough good about Mark, but (laughs) he's really good at what he does. And he's excellent at helping us dig into fears. He definitely made an impact in my journey, especially at work, with regards to what my fears were how I was responding to those fears and how I was limiting my ability to to serve others. That impact that helped me at work then spilled over to my house and to my relationship with Jamie and my kids. And anytime we can get some freedom from any fear and be able to respond from love as Mark has taught us and as the Bible teaches, we are going to have more energy and it's going to be easier to move forward and do the next steps of our growth path. Fear is very just draining. And if we do the exact same activity out of love, it's empowering, it's powerful, it's wonderful, it's it feels good versus if we're doing it out of fear, we're getting no return and it's draining us. And so What we want to talk a little bit with Mark today about is this whole love versus fear concept and and his work and and dig into that. Does that sound good, Mark? Sounds good. All right. Well, so we could use me as an example, or if you (laughs) want to just talk about someone just fictitious, whatever, which way you want to go through this. But you start with a new person, say a business owner. How is it that you evaluate where they are? So uh, just to speak to, yeah, so thank you, Kevin, for the uh, very nice introduction. Uh, I very much appreciate our relationship and the, the time that uh, you, I, and Jamie have been able to invest together. You know, I, can, I consider this work, you know, it's, it's, it's an honor to do this work. I really feel that God calls me to this work, and, and, it's, and it's an honor to work on his behalf. Just to talk big picture real quick. So because, you know, I see this as a calling uh, that we have or that I have is I don't approach it from the standpoint of can I get a client or can they get a coach? I approach this from the standpoint of are we supposed to be working together, right? And if we are supposed to be working together, then at the outset, what that means is I have your best interest at heart and you have my best interest at heart. Uh, we're working toward, you know, a collective success together. So once I feel that that potential exists, you may not find it 
early on with a client for a bit. But once I feel that that potential exists, then I feel it's my responsibility to, when I sit down with someone for the first time, sit down with a business owner or the uh, leader in an organization. My goal is to look at life through their eyes. I have to I have two things to accomplish in the, that first uh, interview. And that one is to look at life through their eyes. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And then to build foundational trust. And I think the mistake a lot of people make is that they want to jump into talking about what they can do for somebody else before they ever really understand what needs to be done. And so in the, you know, in the initial interview, where I invest time is uh, I want to try to figure out what is their a DISC social style? You know, are they a driver, expressive, amiable, or analytical? And, you know, at this stage of the ball game, I've been doing this for a long time. It's pretty easy to pick up on that if you pay attention. And uh, once I've picked up on that, then I begin to look at their life from the standpoint of, you know, how did you get here? Tell me about your path, the path that took you from here to here to the, to the present, where you're looking to go, and then what's working right now and what's not working. Okay, it's just a very simple kind of what I call the compass north, south, east, west, to really look at what somebody is dealing with and how they view their current state. So the big picture, you know, is just looking at their path, looking at where they've been, where they want to go. And then there's really a lot of information that can be derived from how they view their current state. And with most owners, most leaders in companies, they feel like, they usually feel like they've got some things going on, some good things going on. But they also are struggling with something. And the struggles for them usually outweigh any successes that they might have. Once you have that information and you understand their social style, this is when you can begin to identify where their fears are probably coming from. Now, a lot of sales processes talk about finding someone's pain. I get that. I like to look at it a little differently in that this isn't finding their pain as much as what represents their best self. How can we help them move from where they're at to where they really want to be? And, you know, we can get this, get into this a little bit more, a little bit later as we talk about the fears. But usually, you know, there are, there are trends in business, right? So a lot of business owners are dealing with the same stuff. You know, the environmental situation we're in, hiring, finding talent, keeping talent, supply chain, all the issues that a business deals with. But all of that boils it back down into how does that impact on me? What does that say about me? And those are really where the fears come into play. So big picture, you know, I really try to get an understanding of how they view life and why they view life the way they view life, and then build that foundational level of trust so I be can begin to speak and empathize with what they're walking through. So that for me is step number one. Yeah, that makes sense. So by the way, the name of Mark's company is Outward Focus. As you can hear in what he's talking about, his focus is what I would call and what he calls, you know, it's it's a love-based focus. He's focused on you. So he's not going to come in with a bunch of assumptions that he knows everything. 
by the way, he does. But he's going to come in with the assumption that he needs to know about you and he doesn't know about you, right? And so I think that that's a, that's a nice way of approaching any type of growth. Even for ourselves, if we can look at ourselves out of love, find the areas in our life that God has given us, that he has put in us, and understand what that is. And that's not directly tying to what Mark is talking about, but this outward, this focus on empathy and love and understanding is what you're going to hear over and over from Mark. That's what I've experienced. So Mark, let's, let's use me as an example, because mm -hmm. it's just nice and easy. Mm -hmm. So in our first few meetings, I, I had done the disc. Mm -hmm. My result was a DI, which is a driver amiable. So, sorry, a Technically, DS. DS is a driver yes, amiable. Yes, DS. Yep. I'm yep. sorry. No problem. <laughs> a driver amiable. All right. So what did you, I remember some of these and we can talk through it, but what, <laughs> what, was, what does that mean to you? Well, typically, uh, you know, the, the driver amiable is what they would consider. It's not a bad thing. It's just an unnatural combination because the driver and the amiable are typically opposites. You and I having met and talked a little bit, you know, about where you were at and what you were trying to do, I realized that, um, and so the thing that happens with driver amiables is many times they're at conflict inside themselves. The amiable side of their social style, you know, typically is an ask assertive type of person. Their focus is on routines. Their strength is dependability. Their fear is changes, changes their weakness, but it's also tied to their fear, which is a threat to security. And on the other side, you have the driver. The driver is all about uh, getting things done. That's their thing, results. That's their strength. What they struggle with is sometimes they tend to uh, dominate and their fear is being taken advantage of. So you have these two social styles that are in conflict. And my history has been is uh, what I usually find is when someone exhibits those two styles, as I mentioned, they're in conflict. And usually it's the result of one being pushed back early on in their life where one part was accepted and one part wasn't. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, Kevin, in your particular case, what we decided or figured out was that your driver wasn't very loved. And so uh, the expectation was that your amiable would be uh, acceptable, if you will, style in your circle of influence. So I think that's the, those are the kinds of things you can look for. And, you know, with Kevin, what we talked about is how do we bring your driver out to play? Because that is really a part and parcel of who you really are and a natural part of your particular style. And um, you can speak better to some of the, you know, what were some of your first reactions when we talked about you letting yourself be more driver? Yeah. What the situation that where Mark found me was where I wanted to get a lot done. I was, I was operating as a pro program manager and I really was results oriented, but yet I was addressing it using really floundering around as an amiable mostly, you know, and just trying to be this nice guy that somehow convinces people to move in their paws in, in a certain mm -hmm. direction instead of really embracing the fact that 
I work well by empowering others. If I focus on how they can help me get things done instead of how they're in the way of me getting things done, then suddenly the whole energy changes and they feel that result of, hey, this guy really cares about me. He wants to get something done and he wants to work with me. And then, yeah, the whole situation just changed. And as soon as I realized that I was punishing people for not getting enough done <laughs> or being in the way, then I was free of, like within the first couple of weeks of us talking, of a lot of the overhead of that fear of not getting results or being taken advantage of or someone being in the way or all of that. So yeah, that was where you found me. Yeah, and the you know the the when the when you have a driver amiable and a driver gets pushed back, you know I call it the backward Z. And so, for example, if you're an amiable and you backward Z, you get pushed to a level where you are you come out as a driver. Now this is where a little bit of the conflict comes into play. But an amiable who's acting like a driver, it's not usually a good thing. And they, they express some of the typical reactions that a driver might express when they're not getting their results. They get angry. You know, so when you see someone who is normally kind of laid back, uh, they're more introverted, they're a little bit more passive, and all of a sudden they get angry and it comes out in anger, you know that person is, has just been pushed out of their comfort zone. And each one of the four styles has that particular issue tied to them. So that's the other thing I look for is, um, you know, is someone, are they being them their best self? That's really the goal. We want to help people be their best selves. Each person on this planet has been given gifts and a mission, gifts and talents to fulfill that mission and work prepared in advance to do. And, you know, and their social style goes right along with that. And so we want to help them be who they really are but then be able to adapt effectively to the situation they're in. And so in order to do that, you have to first and foremost, be okay with who you are, you know, and the social style you have, you know, there's a lot of pressures in our society many times, and we can get into the, some of the details about this many times to be something we're not. And, and many people I find kind of want to set aside or devalue themselves because Oh, well, that's that's just easy for me. But what about what this person does? And there's a lot of comparing and coveting that goes on. And really, the truth of the matter is each of the styles in its own regard is very valuable. And, you know, I believe the way it's created, you know, this is a God thing, is that we're meant to be interdependent on each other, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not, there's not a single person on this planet that succeeds alone right? If that were true, we could pe put people on a deserted island and say, have at it. But it doesn't really work that way. And so the goal is to help people them be their best selves. Yeah. So I'll ask you, Kevin, do you feel like you've, you're having the opportunity to be your best self? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think we all have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it, it takes a little work and it takes the truth. It takes really understanding what is motivating us and i'd like to go back to one thing you said like this pressure the social pressure that we receive mm -hmm. from people to be a certain way and i i think that as an amiable to a certain extent i can i'm a driver amiable but it, let's go back to what mark said about amiables that there are people that are 
focused on routines. They're dependable. They have a trouble with handling change. Their fear is that threat to security or even just threat to the comfort or, mm-hmm. you know, the ongoing way that their life is going. If you're threatening that, then it's like, well, I've spent a lot of time here analyzing and setting up my life to work this way. And now you want to come in and change it. Mess and it up. what's the benefits <laughs> to this, you know? Right. And I think this style is, is one that I see. And I think you would agree with me. And since this is, happens to be your style, you, you understand it pretty well. But isn't this style like really heavily under attack in our culture today? Uh, the amiable? Yeah. Certainly, yes. Well, I was going to say, you know, drivers are usually valued because they have and they are able to achieve a high results orientation. You know, I think this goes back to, if you don't mind, I'll just talk to the um, particular fears a little bit. So the driver's fear is being taken advantage of. So the driver is always seen as pushing, as seeking to accomplish as the winner in our society. So there's a great pressure, if you will, to accomplish results, to be seen as a driver. Then you have the expressive. The expressive the the fear of the expressive is the fear of not being liked or being rejected. And so expressives are liked because they tend to be the life of the party. But when the, you know, the potential exists for them not to be liked or not to be approved, that can be a big burden to wear. I'll speak about this in a minute, but if you do the deep dive with each of the styles, the driver and the analytical, they have feelings that there are, are expressed. And amiables and expressives are, have feelings that are felt, okay? You may not see the external pressure sometimes for an expressive and amiable because we're pretty good at facades, but it's felt. And it, it can be, be very hard on the individual. The amiable, the big push on the amiable is amiables tend to be a little bit more, it's considered slow. I don't consider it slow. But we tend to be more thoughtful, but because we tend to respond thoughtfully to things people, in some cases, consider as slow. So we're not as fast as some of the other styles. And then the analytical, they just never come to a decision. You know, their, their biggest fear is being wrong. So they always want all these details. And so, yes, each of the different styles has uh, this pressure that it feels. And when that pressure is felt, you know, what I've found through all this is people don't want to be judged. Uh, Today, the word is shame, right? They don't want to feel shame. And I believe that shame comes when they feel they're going to be rejected for being who they are. And so they invest an elaborate amount of time. And I do it too. I've done it too in my life. An elaborate amount of time, energy, and resources to try to create facades, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have the the self others see and then the hidden self. And basically, we're trying to wipe that all out. People are just who they are. And they're, they're their best selves, but they're able to adapt to fit the situation that they're in. Yeah, this is so powerful. So this concept of shame and when we're talking to, to addicts and about addiction, yep. it's huge. If you're listening to this podcast and what we really would like you to get out of this is if we can identify something about your fear, some type of fear that you're responding to, that is trapping you. That is limiting you from going forward. It's, it's making it so you're not receiving the energy that would come with love, that would come with being free, that would come with making a change in your life. And 
one thing that's holding you back from that is shame. And the shame is related to the addiction, but the shame is related to your style, to your way of interacting with others. And if we can pin you down on just one of these four styles, which is very simple. That's why we talk about the disc, because it's very simple. If we can identify you don't want to be taken advantage of, and that's your fear, or you really are concerned about being liked, you want to make sure you are liked, is that your fear? Or you want, you're worried about that threat to your security, is that your fear? Or the last one for the analytical fear of being wrong. If you can get any, if any of those stand out, then the next question is, Mark, what, what do we do with it? You know, I, well, I was thinking, Kevin, that it might be appropriate for us to go into the, the deeper dive, right? And to speak to the idols that people are, uh, that we tend to pursue. So there are deep idols tied to each of the four styles. So now, just to explain, people can have all four idols, right? Yeah. But there are just some tendencies tied to the four. And what I just wanted to relate back to what you were saying before. So let's say you're, you don't feel accepted in your social style, right? Which means now you're expending energy coping rather than producing. So that's the terminology I use in a business setting, right? And what we want is we want as much of someone's emotional energy going into producing with and for others, right? So that if you, you know, that's what you reap, you sow, right? So if you sow that, that'll all come back to you, right? God promises it. If you put good in, you get good out. Um, that's a beautiful way of putting it. Right. And so we want to put you or help you achieve that best state possible. Well, here's what happens. Here's the circle we get caught up in. So we don't feel accepted, right? Or we feel judged or we feel shame for whatever reason, right? So that puts us into this coping mode. Well, coping takes away. It's a, it's a negative, right? And then in order to comfort ourselves, this is where the addictions start to come into play. Correct? And Kevin, you would know more about that than I do. You know, not that I haven't had my own issues, but what I'm saying is that this is what I see in business is that we all want to our businesses to grow, right? And the, the function, the purpose of our business by the way, it is not to make money. The purpose of your business is not to make money. The purpose of your business is to find people to help and help them with the gifts and talents that you've been given. And if you do that, when you do that, right, and you do that well, it'll manifest itself in financial well wherewithal, okay? But the purpose of your business really is not just to make money. It's not one thing. It, it's a global thing. I, I talk about this a lot in this kind of work is that I believe my job, what I do in the world, is to help individuals become quietly confident professionals who can accomplish any objective or overcome any challenge. Now, I realize that's an ideal. Nobody will probably ever achieve that, but I believe that's what we should be striving for. And the only way to do that is to help people be their best and then to adapt their situation to serve the other person that they're dealing with, right? Regardless of how they feel. That's the issue we have to address, okay? I'm not dismissing feelings. Feelings are real. But in the moment of choice, for so for example, amiables. Kevin, you can attest to this. I can attest to this. By the way, everybody, I'm an amiable expressive in my basic. So when we talk about this stuff, 
I'm in it just as you are. Technically, I don't like to confront, right? But if I'm in a business setting and the right thing is to confront somebody, specifically to tell them the truth and love, right? I'm more apt to want to tell them the love part and not necessarily the truth part. But truth without love is just mean, and love without truth is just too soft. And technically, the greatest emotional investment you can make in another human being is to tell them the truth and love. So sometimes I got to do that, even though I don't really want to do that or feel like doing that. I got to do that because it's the right thing to do for other people. And that's what we're trying to set up. Be who you are, be the best who you are, but then be willing to do the right things for others, regardless of how you feel. And that's how I believe we can ultimately attain that that place of being a quietly confident professional who can accomplish any objective and work through any challenge uh, with the team of people they're in. Yeah, and I'm just enjoying. So I've heard what Mark has said here over and over and over again, and every single time I hear it, it's good. Okay. And I think that what you're saying right now is the truth in love. It is that we have this potential to be this wonderful person to operate out of super positive energy called love. Meanwhile, if we're in an addicted state or whatever our issue is that is causing us to not be our best self, we're living in a lot less energy and in a, in a state that's not near as fulfilling, joyful, etc. And what Mark and I know you can feel this in the podcast. The, 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 uh, where he's coming from is this deep desire that we would all reach that state of operating out of love. And that is so enjoyable. It is so worth it. And so when we think about just being stuck and how are we going to get unstuck, all of these teachings that he's giving us and that that he received over his years of coaching are helpful to, to head in that direction and to investigate ourselves. Yeah. And, and I'll just say this, that um, love wins, you know, to your point, Kev. I mean, just think about it. The times when you've turned inward, right. And you've made it all about you. What usually happens in, the, in those times, right. It, it's a, it can be incredible discomfort, you know, and you turn to something to alleviate, that comfort. Well, that may happen for a little bit of time, whatever the addiction is, right? But it's an empty lie. Ultimately, it's not satisfying. And then because you gave into it as an addiction, that contributes to more shame, right? And that takes the coping or the need to cope even further. It's this incredibly vicious cycle. And um, Kevin is far better at breaking that cycle than even I am. But I will tell you this, what I've learned is that love is a command, right? A lot of times we treat love as an emotion or a feeling. It's not. It's a command given to us. And so in that moment, when you have a choice, you can choose to love others first. So I'll just share my gift analogy here. I think this is a good place for the gift analogy. If you go out and you buy someone a gift, right? That's a very nice gift. It's something something they wanted, something that you were sensitive enough to know that they would benefit from. 
right? Well, the question always be so that's the act, that's the behavior, right? But now what we're talking about is the motivation behind the behavior. And that's exactly how it works in the world. So the behavior is I bought the gift, I got somebody a gift. Now I got to look at the the motivation behind the behavior. What makes the gift a gift? Well, if I gave it with no strings attached, just because I wanted this person to benefit from this gift, right? And it was given with with no other attachments, right? Than, than their benefit. Then that's a gift. That's a good thing. But what if I gave it expecting a gift in return? Or what if I gave it expecting them to feel better about me? Or what if I gave it so that I would have an edge in some way on them? Okay. If I do any of that, then it's not a gift anymore. At the least, it's a bribe. At the worst, it's extortion. And that's the problem. And, you know, the 1 Corinthians 13 is very clear about this. If you do anything without love, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't count in any way, shape, or form. That's the math in God's equation. And so what he's telling us is that the act, the physical act, the behavior, in and of itself is relatively innocuous. But in the end, what makes the difference is the motivation that was used behind it. I call to attention two things. One is, you know, he talked about the uh, the individual that was praying on the street corner, right? Pious looking, should be respected, right? Because this person is talking about his, you know, belief in God. And when it was referred to, it was said, he's already got his reward. Why? Because his praying wasn't to honor himself it was to or honor god it was to bring attention to himself and it also talks about lusting after another woman if you think about it god says that's adultery and it's not even doing anything it's just thinking that thing so this always comes back to what is the motivation behind the behavior and i will tell you we human beings are tremendous at rationalizing our behavior, right? And how we tend to rationalize it is, I did the right thing for this person, but for the wrong reason. So I should still get something from that, but it doesn't work that way. It really doesn't, <laughs> right? And that's, that's why right. your your motivation has to be love and uh, yeah. and not fear. Yes. Well, that that is exactly what I was hoping you'd get out of this. So this concept of being stuck in... in being trapped. What has trapped us? You know, the lies, the fear. Where did those come from? Right. The doubts about ourselves. Right. The rejection we felt at a young age that, or whatever age it was, that then spawned into an addiction because we didn't create something to to cope with our life just out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. There was something that caused that. There was a rejection. Mm -hmm. Often, for like for me, it was really young, but I've heard others where it was later, like the a divorce or you know whatever that rejection is. And I think it might be different for men and women. A book that you could look into that talks very well about that is the, the Wild at Heart book written by John Eldridge. And so the men and the women's side of that is a little bit different. But yeah, this there's all this stuff that's trapping us that, that Mark's talking about. And if we're trapped, if we're responding from fear, if we're responding from doubt, we're coping, then it's very possible 
that our motivation is not pure. And what we want to get to a place is a place of responding out of love of someone just this last week. I was, uh, I won't even mention the organization because I don't want people to know who I'm picking on. But <laughs> there's this lady that stood up and the question was, what do you love about yourself? And her answer was, I don't love anything about myself. I have a few things. I think it's okay for me to like something about myself, she says. This is like a 77-year-old lady. Mm. And I, I literally want to just go up to her and just give her a hug and say, <laughs> yeah, well, right. why would you say that there's nothing to love about yourself? Mm -hmm. And how are you going to love someone else? Like, how are you loving your spouse? if you don't even love yourself. And I don't know if you want to talk at all about that, Mark, but just this is a thing that I've seen over and over, even in myself, is like, oh, loving myself is wrong. Well, there's something good in us that we, it's very safe to love. Our soul, for example, our life. If we don't love our time and our life, what are we going to do with it? If we don't love our soul, what are we going to do with it? If we don't love our spirit, and what God has put in us, what are we going to do with that? You know, like foreign concept to me, but like now, but four or five years ago, mm -hmm. absolutely. I, right. I thought the same thing. What's good about me? I'm, I'm the problem. Everything's wrong with me. Any thoughts? Yeah. Well, just, just a couple of things that come to mind. I mean, if you look at what the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. So to your point, you know, you have to, you have to kind of love yourself. And you know, the Bible also says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So that's right out of the box. I mean, you know, that's that's from the beginning. So, yeah, I I don't think I think this is the big problem. Um, I forget the author, but um, it was a, a military a general, I believe, who said this is that did research about this. If you emphasize your weaknesses, you get weaker. If you emphasize your strengths, you get stronger. So the goal here is to, to be confident for others, okay? Mm -hmm. Not just arrogant about yourself, which is really a mask for fear, but confident for others so you can, so that you're able to actually help them. Uh, I've had this conversation a number of times over the past few weeks. A lot of people feel that they have to feel like they're confident in order to be confident, but it really mm -hmm. doesn't work that way. You know, technically you have to be confident for others consistently doing the right thing for them, regardless of how you feel. And when you are confident for others, then you will begin to feel confident. So I think people mistake those two, and it's actually the flip that has to happen. I would like to talk about this love versus fear thing for real quick. So Shad Helmstetter wrote a weird little book. Shad, I apologize, but a weird little book called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. Okay. And he analyzed or found out that of all the mind traffic going on in our heads at any time, 87% of the time it was negative. Okay. So if you're talking to yourself negatively, 87% of the time, what condition are you in to help someone else? Right. That's the problem. So how I look at this is that the love side of us is this. It represents the best of us. It represents the best of everything God has given us and wants us to be, right? It's ultimately the truth about us and it makes us selfless, okay? Mm -hmm. So love, it's the best of us, it's the truth and it makes us selfless. The fear side is it's the worst of us, 
right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's the lie and yeah. it makes us selfish. So the choice is, are you going to believe the truth or the lie about yourself? And um, by, you know, and again, again, we're going to be attacked all the time. And what I find is a lot of people try to, they try to take in these fear-based or negative thoughts. And the thought process is, well, if I can evolve my thinking and take that from, you know, maybe that's a, a critical comment or a critical way I feel about myself. And if I can work through it and evolve it to where I think, think through it and make it work for me, then that's what I should do with those thoughts. But it doesn't <laughs> yeah. work that, that way, right? Yeah. Taking irrational fears and trying to address them with rational thoughts. Technically, fears, you know, Dennis Waitley talked about this a long time ago. Fears are false evidence appearing real. They're lies. And uh, really, we need to spend more time embracing the good that we've been given so we can be of service to other people. Yeah, that is so powerful. I hope you can feel, the you listeners can feel the energy difference. All right. If we talk about fear and we talk about shame and we talk about all of this negative stuff, we know where that comes from. Mm -hmm. He who yep. must not be named if we follow. No, I'm just kidding. You know, Satan is in charge of all this and he's wanting us to be confused mm -hmm. and focused on this garbage. But if we just... I totally agree with what you're saying, Mark, and, and really even just appreciate, I feel like to a certain extent, hearing it in a deeper way than I ever have, that all of that, there's no building material there that's going to work. We have to get rid of it. We have to let it go. Yep. We have to believe that we can let it go and that God will help us through whatever that is that's preventing us from being our true and best self. Mm -hmm. And like, I like what you said. So the truth is that we are beings made to love. Mm -hmm. That is mm -hmm. what we've been given. That's the gift that we've been given. We've given plenty of material to do that. Mm -hmm. Jesus wants to come and live within us. He's not just going to just occasionally show up. He's there. And we have that capability of really being there for, the, for others at such a, a high level that it's super enjoyable <laughs> but yet we're, we want to hold our, our thinking our human nature our subconscious and the way we process our childhood especially but other things it gets us to that point where we're just like oh no I, I've got to protect myself mm -hmm. and no as soon as you go down that road there's there's really nothing there that's gonna it's gonna contribute especially to your eternity but also to your to having good energy, to being in that place of love. So. Well, and, and, and to your point, Kevin, you know, the, the gifts and talents we've been given, now, yes, they must be exercised, right? And we must improve. I mean, that's why, you know, uh, God wants us to read the Bible, right? And all the wisdom therein and, and other, offer, other good authors and other good resources for good information. We need to continue to strengthen and improve on the gifts and talents we've been given. But I will tell you this, once you once you begin to question the motivation behind your decisions, right? Am I and I did this and it was a very sobering exercise <laughs> to question every decision you make 
from the standpoint, am I doing this out of love or fear? And um, it was it was challenging. And what I realized, though, is that early on, the majority of my decisions were face-saving decisions to be seen in a certain way, you know, that expressive caring too much about what other people think. And uh, when I realized that, you know, most of the value I added at that time was being taken away because I was self-serving, boy, did it really impact me. And then once I began to embrace this and really worked hard at being there for other people and not myself, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. It was pretty incredible. And, and so I think it's a muscle like everything else. It's got to be exercised. It's got to be used in order to get uh, improved on. So if you don't mind, I'll jump to the one thing I did want to talk about real quick is the deeper idols. So mm-hmm. each of the four styles, and these aren't necessarily tied together, but I've tied them together for just the benefit of being able to speak to them. So the if you do the deep dive on the four, sty- the four styles, you have the driver, for example, okay? So the driver's nightmare is humiliation. People mm-hmm. around uh, drivers in that state tend to feel used, and the problem emotion for a driver is anger. Okay, that's one. And when does that happen? It happens when they feel a loss of power. Okay, so when a driver feels a loss of power, those three things kick in. For the expressive, it's the loss of approval, right? So the nightmare for an expressive is rejection. People around them can tend to feel smothered. And their problem emotion, remember I talked about feelings that are felt and expressed. So drivers express anger. Expressives feel cowardice. Okay, so it keeps expressives from naturally taking the steps uh, they know they could or need to take. Amiables, their idol or the loss of their idol comfort leads to their problem emotion is stress, right, or discomfort. The people around them tend to feel neglected and their problem emotion, again, felt is boredom. Okay, so, you know, it, it's, it's making your world small. So for the analytical, uh, their nightmare is uncertainty, okay? And the people around them tend to feel judged, and their problem emotion is worry. Anytime you see a driver get angry, they're feeling a loss of power. Anytime you feel an, you see an expressive, and they're not, just not taking the next natural steps to jump forward, they're probably feeling cowardice. If you sense or see that uh, an amiable is bored, like they're disengaged and detached, chances are it's that loss of comfort. And then last but not least, when you see an analytical worry, it's the loss of control. Okay, So you can tell by paying attention to those four things where somebody is at. And then that's the opportunity to talk them back to their best selves. Because here's Here's the problem with those four idols. And by the way, money is a fifth idol because it serves those four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of those idols are lies. Okay. Yeah. And they will, they're like addictions. They will not be fulfilled. I, I have a story that I was told years ago from a financial advisor. He had a guy he was advising. And every time he met with this individual, this guy was consumed with not making enough money, okay? How can I make more money? How can I save more money? How can I be secure with my money? 
It was an obsession in his, in his life. Okay. And this individual at this point in his life was making a half a million dollars a week, $26 million a year. What? But his whole <laughs> life was absorbed, obsessed with, you know, money because what did he want? Well, he either wanted power, approval, comfort, or control, and money could buy him that. At least he thought mm -hmm. it could in his life. Yeah. And the truth is, those lies will never be filled. They will never be answered. And that's why the answer here is not to try to find the, uh, the path to fulfillment with one of these idols. It is, well, by honoring God, making it all mm -hmm. about honoring God and doing the work he's called us to do which is to help others succeed first and then we'll succeed. To do the right thing for others regardless of how we feel because it's the way of loving them. And uh, when we do that, and I, this is kind of how I conclude on this particular subject, I believe as business people, you know, there's a lot of things to, to contend with with business. Business is a fantastic thing. It's a fantastic creation. It's, a, it's an opportunity where we can bring people into the organization and teach them all the life skills necessary to be successful in, in our environment. And by the way, as a business owner or business leader, I believe we should try to create special places in our businesses. And what do I mean by that? I mean wildly successful businesses because we embrace these principles, but because we learn all these skills, how to be a leader, how to overcome a challenge, how to problem solve. You know, how to interact better with people, how to communicate, all that stuff. All those life skills we can learn, teach our people, and then turn around and send them out into their communities and make the world a better place, right? Their churches, their schools, their clubs, organizations. No matter what they choose to do or serve in, they will be able to make an impact because we taught them how to do it right in our business. And, you know... And that's what I think business is meant to be. It's meant to be an oasis in the midst of chaos in many ways. It's to be a place where you can work hard and work as a good teammate and pour yourself into serving others first and helping them be successful. And then when the day is done, come home tired, you know, spent, but knowing and having the peace and confidence and the satisfaction that comes from doing the right thing for others. And it helps you sleep at night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's just so good. So, well, thank you very much, Mark, for coming on. I'll, I'll just close just with a thought about the listener here and what we're doing. When we think about the struggle that we're going through, we all have a growth struggle, okay? And addiction is a great opportunity to learn how to evaluate yourself, figure out what your fears are, figure out how you're dealing with shame and turn that around. Let's dig into what's the motivations. We know what they are. It's pretty easy. What are the motivations that are driving our behavior? Why are we trying to put that face on, that mask on, right. all these different right. things in, in our life? And if we can learn how to do that, then we can turn this process of healing into our superpower. And that's what we talk about on this, on this podcast. Then we're at the place like Dr. M. Scott Peck talked about, where the, ther the person that's receiving therapy is now able to provide therapy. We're at the place where we can go to the next person and help them in their journey because we've learned how to deal with this stuff, this toxic stuff in our life ourselves. And so 
I think that this, hopefully this conversation helps us to go in that direction, to just celebrate that we have such a great gift called life. And we get such a privilege to use our gifts mm -hmm. in our life mm -hmm. and to use them for others. And that return to us, like Mark talked about, is, is so powerful. So thank you very much, Mark. We're going to have you back, I, <laughs> I can just imagine, over the lifetime of this. Appreciate this uh, getting us started here in the early episodes. And uh, Mark and I will be, he's like my, um, like my lifetime coach. You know, you have life coaches, but you have your lifetime coach, <laughs> the, one, the one that walks the whole journey with you. No, obviously, but going forward, we've got a permanent friendship. So thank you and very much appreciate it, Mark. Thanks, Kevin. And I would just ask you to keep doing your good work. There's a lot of people out there that need your help. And uh, they may be, you may be the only one that can help them in the way they need. So keep doing that good work. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in. And to stay in touch, email us at info at businessaddictspodcast.com.